It is hour two of the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland. The game after dark, the game after work. My Twitter timeline has been full of two things today. One of them about Jennifer Coolidge, who is an actress, <laughs> and she won a Golden Globe last night for the uh, her, her role in The White Lotus, which Lindsay and I, before the holidays, we really got into that. We watched the two seasons and I really enjoyed it. And okay. her character is uh, interesting, from it, what I it, understand. Interesting, a mess, a bit, but yes, interesting. A fun storyline to follow. But there's also, you know, the White Lotus is full of a bunch of different storylines, and right. people don't really interact with each other. It's just a whole bunch of separate stories. But it all takes place in one hotel. The White Lotus is a hotel. One's in Hawaii, and the other one's in Italy. The second season is in Italy, but it's a show on HBO, and I highly recommend it. It's a great show. Not surprised to hear that it's cleaning up on a bunch of award shows. And Jennifer Coolidge, though, she was always known for just being Stifler's mom. <laughs> and now she finally has this real breakout role, it seems like, at the age of 61. I'm, I'm a fan of her. She's pretty funny. Uh, and she, she had a really great speech at the Golden Globes that stole the show. Um. My cousin Eric, who lives in New Orleans, and I got to see him uh, before the Sugar Bowl. We got to hang out one night on Old Magazine Street, a great place to go hang out um, if you can get away from Bourbon Street. But anyway, so he runs a grocery store in New Orleans, a very rich neighborhood called uh, the Garden District, and there was a bunch of celebrities that lived there. There's an unwritten rule in New Orleans that if you're upon a celebrity, leave them alone. Wow. There's a reason they live in New Orleans. Not only is it a great place to live, but they're left alone. They can feel like normal people there. So just leave them alone. Don't interact. Like Say, hey, how's it going? Don't be like, oh, my God, I'm such a big fan. Can I get mm -hmm. a picture? Mm -hmm. You don't do that. You do not do that in New Orleans. That is frowned upon. There is an unwritten rule. But he tells me in his grocery store, he has celebrities come in all the time. John Goodman is in there all the time. Hmm. And they're on first name base. I was like, that's pretty cool, John Goodman. That's very cool. John Goodman's really cool. He's had Keanu Reeves come in. Uh, let's see. But anyway, there's a whole bunch of them. He named them off. But Jennifer Coolidge will come in. And she, when she walks in, she's always asking somebody to hold her dog while she, <laughs> while she grocery shops. I was like, yeah, I think that's uh, from getting to know who she is. Because it feels like her character on the White Lotus is just kind of an extension of who she really is. Just maybe exaggerated. Sure. That it, it, To me, that does uh, make sense a little bit. It feels like par for the course. But White Lotus, I recommend the show. It's, it's a good one. Uh, all right. Um, the other thing that's been just scroll after scroll after scroll on Twitter has been a certain play. We can talk about that here in just a little bit, but just as a whole, where K-State's at right now, 15-1. and one. That is the best start since the 1958-59 season. That team like went 25-1, and one, so that's going to be tough to, uh, to pass there. But the Cats are 4-0 to start Big 12 play. That's the first time in a decade. By the way, just for uh, reference here, I feel like people might want to know this. So up next is TCU on Saturday. It's a 1 o'clock tip. The last time K-State started 5-0 in Big 12 play was the 07-08 season, Frank Martin's first year as a head coach. The last time K-State started 6-0 in Big 12 play, which would obviously mean beating TCU, then you beat Kansas coming up on Tuesday here in, uh, here in Manhattan. The last time that happened was 87-88, the last time K-State played at a Hearn Fieldhouse. 
More history can be made, boys and girls, but what a hell of a start it's been for Jerome Tang and this team. 15-1 to start the season. Nobody expected that. I did not. What a run. You know what, Travion? I feel like we need to play something to celebrate the start of the year. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors Okay, am I alone when thinking, all right, we need to now seriously somehow get this involved with either game days or something with K-State Hoops, <laughs> social media, whatever. I think if you play this for Coach Tang, he will fall in love with it, and it'll be a must-use. I think we're doing fine with what we've got currently with the video in place. I love the heritage shots that they've thrown into this year's pregame video. That's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that is a pretty good video. It's a well Talking done video. Talking about before the team runs out onto the yes. court. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a. They've been doing that for a while, but it, it does change every yes. year. Like you'll see some new shots, and there's some of the some of the shots they've had in there for a long time. Yeah, they're. It's it's really awesome how they've used all those vintage shots. And I totally agree with you. That's one of my favorite videos to watch. Is it with? Are you talking about the video with Journey? Um. You know, I don't pay attention to the track behind it. I love the fact that it's a Tex winner. It's Jack Hartman. It's You're, I think it's separate ways. Yes. The journey's okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what you're talking about. So that other thing that I was talking about that just plugged up my timeline today, and I should actually mention it to Derek Young because he put yes. up a tweet. He put up the tweet said like, "So uh, how many yeah. times have you watched the dunk today?" I was thinking to myself, well. A lot, but the reason is I can't scroll without seeing it. Everybody is sharing it. Everybody's retweeting or liking it. Yep. Or quote retweeting it and adding their own caption to it. It has been shared not only with K State fans, but the national media has caught attention once again. And I just got to say, I there's no way there's another team out there that is more fun to watch than K State. And this last game, this win last night against Oklahoma State, first of all, completely different type of game. And I felt like I mentioned this in Mitch Palm, which I was, you know, was a little off with the number of points Casey would score. <laughs> I was off uh, twelve. Okay, um, but uh, you know, if Keontae Johnson has his normal game, I think they might get there. Right. But anyway, uh, I think Troy, you're a lot closer than I was. But anyway, not the point here. But what I brought up in Mitch Palm was like, you know, I just have this feeling like Oklahoma State just that type of team where they're gonna. Muddy things up with their defense. They're going to slow us down. They're going to make you play their pace of mm-hmm. game. And like, well, mm-hmm. really, K-State, all they've been doing is playing their opponent's play- pace of game. The, the way they're used to playing it, they're just beating them at their own game. Right. They, they beat Texas in a shootout. They beat Baylor in a tightly contested dogfight. 
and that's what Baylor's been playing is these dogfights, especially like in Big 12 play, that game against TCU before playing K-State was an absolute fistfight to the very end with TCU coming back to win by a point. Cats win in overtime by two points. Mm-hmm. And then this time around, instead of playing high-octane offense, you're playing tough defense. A team that is going to guard you very well on ball and make it so tough to score from two. A couple of things that I had the thought of last night. First of all, it was reminiscent of 90s-era Oklahoma State in terms of their defensive intensity and the fact that they will not back down from the challenge whatsoever. They're physical. They're going to come at you very physical during the course of the game. You bring it into the paint, and you're going to pay a price for it. They almost were the bad boys in the 90s, if you will, at a collegiate level in how they played the game. And they have the bodies for that. Uh, So that didn't surprise me all that much last night. We mentioned that from a transition standpoint, they get out and they get you very quickly in transition, keep you from being able to get out and run. And that's where that tempo was definitely in their favor last night. Really impressed with how well they got back guarding in that you saw every time that as soon as Noel broke the timeline, you had he had someone in his lap defensively already. Those deep threes that he hit, those were out of running the offense at varying points. But when the Cats were trying to push the ball, he had a defender greet him immediately after he reached half court. Yeah, Oklahoma State's half court defense is good. They're, they're the best defense. They got to be at least statistically. They're the best defense in the Big Twelve. What hurts them is they don't have offense to back it up. Correct. They're not a good shooting team. K State played an ugly game last night. They really did. Yes. And they still beat Oklahoma State by eight points. Texas was able to get out of Stillwater a few days before that and win by ten. But it, you know, it made me wonder. You know, what if Oklahoma State was a better shooting team? I don't think K State wins that game last night. The Cats were shut out in second chance points. Unbelievable. Caleb Boone, it it felt like he was scoring at will. And it was a variation of things. You know, maybe Casey outplayed the pass a little bit and Caleb Boone's wide open, or maybe the Cats just fell asleep when he was camping on the baseline. But he was scoring at the hoop, felt like all night long. I was like, man, we just don't have an answer for this kid. What are we supposed to do about this Caleb Boone guy? Not to mention that. Oklahoma State was also missing their best defender. Yes. They did not have Musa Cisse, who's the who big guy in the paint, hard to hard to score against. And, and Oklahoma State's the sixth best team in the country when it comes to two point field goal percentage defense. We knew in the game this is gonna be a tough team to score on. Watching them in person, yeah, that was a tough team to score on. But when Cam Carter hit that three before the half, and you're only down two, I was like, all right, that's a big bucket. You're not down two scores, because that was a really, really tough finish to the first half. And it then was. you finally have a little bit to cheer for before you head in the locker room and start to make some adjustments. And then finally, Keontae Johnson, who had an ugly first half, started to do some things one-on-one mm-hmm. and score the, bucket, score the basketball. You brought up the second-chance point situation last night where – Literally, K-State couldn't buy a bucket. How much worse? I mean, it can't be any worse than that last night, even with Cissé on the interior. It was reminiscent of some of what we've seen from K-State's bigs over the last few years. But 
that was more credit to Oklahoma State than it was a matter of K-State guys just not performing well. They they were faced with, again, a, a very physical interior defense that they've not faced thus far this season, and they didn't adjust well to it. That's something that is going to have to change before the second meeting between the teams later this season. I think that will be a coaching point here over the next few days, especially because teams are going to pick up on the fact that uh, that Oklahoma State spent a lot of time jostling guys around inside and took advantage of it with those second chance opportunities going for not last night at the rim. I had someone uh, noted someone tweeted out last night in the first half that K-State was settling for threes. And your reaction right there explained my view as well. You you got shooters on this team. They're open. They're going to shoot them. Well, not only that, you take what the defense is giving you. There was nothing on the interior that the defense was giving K-State. And so to try and make something happen, yes, K-State shot threes. Well, if if it's, you know, I I wasn't the happiest of like when Ishmael took that in-transition three-pointer, like like the catch-and-shooter, the pull-up three or whatever. But if it's Marquise Noel, he has the green light from anywhere in the front court. I I, <laughs> like I it, loved I loved Coach's comment last night about that. That essentially it's the it's the antithesis of a vitamin. You know, take your one vitamin a day. Well, Marquise gets one of those a day in game action. Once that happens, the heat check is uh, taken, and he misses one of those. Then it, then it's over. One of these days, he's going to make one from the mouth of. Uh, yeah, of the of the power cat. Yeah, on the floor. But <laughs> you know the the highlight of the game, and this is what I saw in my timeline all morning and all afternoon. I could barely scroll without seeing it. I probably watched the play a hundred times, like legit, because the crowd pop was phenomenal. That was the loudest moment of the game, by the way. When when Marquise Noel was being double teamed in the final minute, and he gets around it from the right side, says he sees Keontae, look at mm-hmm. me over here, mm-hmm. give me the ball. Like He's waving his arm. He's like like a wide receiver going down the field. I'm open, son. And Marquise lobs it. I thought it was too high. I had a great angle of it. And I was like, ah, it's too high. Yeah, Keontae and his talent, what a special player because he ripped that ball down and just it almost made it look easy. To just throw it down and and dunk it one handed, Naquan Tomlin had a similar dunk like that, but didn't have eleven thousand fans in person to see it. And number eight on ESPN's Sports Center top ten. How is it only number eight? That was my tweet right after the uh, right after it occurred. I think that is the sixth time K State has had a play on yeah. the on the uh, Sports Center top ten. Yeah, I literally said uh, Sports Center. We've got another K State special coming in. <laughs> and yet k-state had an ugly game yes they it did it was not the prettiest game they shot 35 percent, 33 percent from three shut out second chance points they lost the points in the paint i mean bebe was making athletic plays but just couldn't finish a lot of his shots it felt like um let's see how did he finish i didn't even see he's well, he's 0 for two and i think they were both at the rim um you know naquan tomlin did struggle a little bit he fin- yeah big time three for 13 like it was a rough night for naquan tomlin playing 31 minutes but he was grabbing rebounds and so was keontae johnson when he was struggling he was going to grab some rebounds but also it felt like also as well like i would have guessed like oklahoma state would have out 
offensive rebound, K-State like 20 to 10, as actually 15 to 14, but a lot of those offensive boards for the Cats were like tip putbacks, like fighting for the ball at the rim, mm-hmm. and they were getting tips and trying to get it to put, go back in, and it just wasn't going in. I am encouraged by that, like struggling against a very good defensive team, and you still grind it out to win by eight points. K-State has now put on their resume that they can win against different styles of basketball. And that is extremely encouraging. The Cats are 15-1, and nine-game winning streak, which is the longest in nine years. 4-0 in the Big 12, first time in 10 years. Also, by the way, undefeated in Bramlage Coliseum, 9-0. 8-0 in Bramlage, 9-0 in home games, counting the one, of course, in Kansas City. And by the way, Marquise Noel, I mentioned it last week. I'm going to double down this week. Marquise Noel is the best player in the Big 12. He is the best player. He has scored 20 points in each game so far in Big 12 play. I think he's now putting it together that he is playing consistently. Mm -hmm. He is the most, I think, entertaining player to watch in the Big 12 with his long-distance three-pointers. His passing, he had seven assists last night. He's averaging a little over eight a game. He's going to steal the basketball. I, I could go on and on. I, I'm i doubling down. He is the best player in the Big 12, and I think right now he is your front runner to win Big 12 Player of the Year. But, of course, a long way to go. TCU is tough. They will try to get on transition unlike any other team in, in, in college basketball. It's just another style of basketball that K-State will play in this Big 12 slate. Having that flexibility is on the coaching staff, and thus far, they've been able to pull that off. You know, and I think Desi Sills deserves a shout-out with his energy and his ability last night. And he didn't. He was 3-for-8 last night. He was also hitting free throws. And um, I, I think he was a part of that spark. Because when Casey needed points, he kind of took it upon himself to go make a bucket or two. He was a big help mm-hmm. in making K-State a, a 4-0 team in Big 12 play to start the conference slate. All right, when we come back, let's jump back to K-State football because new running back, transfer, Mitch Fortner is a big fan. I don't usually talk in third person. I'll probably stop there, save it for a special occasion, but we'll talk more about that new running back that committed yesterday for the Cats after this. The game. KMAN, if you missed any of the show, we podcast it, baby. Wherever you get your uh, podcast, just search for The Game KMAN. Make sure to leave a five-star review if that's possible. Make sure to follow us. What do you got? Someone has started a GoFundMe to try and buy out Calipari at Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Good God. Did you see someone got thrown out last night for the uh, sign that they held? Yeah, I was trying to find a picture of that, but I couldn't. Oh, okay, yeah. But it's, a, but it's a very simple simple sign. Please go to Texas. That's all it was. How much would they have to raise to buy out his lifetime uh, contract? Yeah, good question. $50 million? $52 oh. Million. oh, that was a complete guess. $52 I, million. All they've got is five bucks, according to... <laughs> that's too funny 
Uh, we, we mentioned earlier today uh, on the show that you know the WWE. Uh, everybody knows I'm a, I'm a wrestling guy, but I don't really watch WWE anymore. Maybe twice a year, the Rumble and uh, and WrestleMania. Vince McMahon forced his way back in into the board of directors. He's now in charge. He only has one CEO after his daughter Stephanie stepped aside, and uh, now he's trying to sell, I guess, to the uh, to Saudi Arabia. But how about this? Um, this is the original theme song of Monday Night Raw. The very first episode of Monday Night Raw was 30 years ago today. Can you imagine a wrestling show being on for 30 years? Oh, there it is, yeah. Got thrown out, huh? Got thrown out for, for posting that sign, holding that sign up. I remember uh, somebody uh, somebody once upon a time got in trouble at a game where this fan was put on the Jumbotron. Uh, just you know, this is just a fan in attendance, and I think it was a women's basketball game. Opens up his jacket. He's wearing a shirt that says "Fire Curry." I was wondering whatever happened to that guy. Yeah, he just disappeared, and right? Yeah, never saw him again. He he's in a good isolated spot. Yeah, I, I don't know if he got tossed or what happened, but uh, anyway, it's whatever. Um, all right, so new running back for the Cats. Let's get into that here. This was uh, heck. Yesterday was a really good day for K State Athletics. Finding out Phillip Brooks is coming back. Cats beat uh, Oklahoma State in Bramlage in, in a packed house. It was so loud. I put on Twitter the top three loudest moments of the night. The alley-oop from Marquise Noel to Keontae Johnson was number one. Oh, my God. D.Y. brought it up. It might have been louder than uh, the Cartier Jada dunk against KU. That's a tough call. Mm-hmm. They they mm-hmm. They're, they're, they rival. They rival. They absolutely do. I don't know if I can make a decision on that. I will say I was sitting with the media when that jotted dunk went down and John Kurtz faded into my arms. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember. Oh, so Cue the, the romantic music. And the Dean Wade dunk, which was like the reverse dunk in the first half against Oklahoma, the last game to win the Big 12. I My jaw dropped. You may notice in the uh, if you watch the. Uh, the replay, which I'm sure you already have 20 times, of the alley, or the yeah the alley oop. I there's a little bit of a delay to my announcement. It's because I was a little in shock about what I just saw. Uh huh. I was like, holy crap! And Tang cussed. Can I find? I need to find that clip real quick. He's that was great. So uh, Coach Tang, uh, his reaction to the alley oop, it was a pretty good one. I'm not by nature a guy who cusses. It's not like really part of me. And I thought the ball was going out of bounds. And so in my head, I was thinking, oh, crap, it's a turnover, right? But then he jumps up vertical and catches the thing. And he's outside the lane, it looked like, and then hammers it. And I said, what the? <laughs> I did. I, I, and so I told the guys I did push-ups in the locker room for it. Uh, that was a very appropriate reaction. I feel like a lot of people had that reaction. Uh, the crowd pop was phenomenal. And I, I want to replay uh, Wyatt's call. It's also a really good call here from Wyatt. Ten seconds, nine seconds to go. He has doubled his Marquise. He gets by the double team and throws it to the rim. And Johnson with a throwdown. Oh, my. One-handed Johnson makes it 62-57. Yeah, insane. What, what a moment. The highlight of the year so far. Seems like every game. The Cats have There's a highlight dunk. isn't it? Yeah. Always a highlight dunk. That might have been the best one so far, at least the best crowd pop, that's for sure. All right, now, okay, been delaying. All right, here we go. 
The running back for K-State committed yesterday from Florida State, Treshawn Ward. D-Wine and I talked about him in the first hour. I want to give a few thoughts on him because there is a running back that he reminds me of, a former K-State running back. But uh, he, by the athletic, top 25 player when it comes to the transfer portal, second best running back in the portal as of yesterday. And Florida State, I, I got to say, really good running team this last year. 13th in the country, 214 yards per game, 5.5 yards per carry. K-State, by the way, 15th in the country last year, 208 yards per game. But uh, this past season, 628 on the ground with seven touchdowns. He had 81 yards and a couple of scores through the air uh, against Oklahoma rather in the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, his best game of the year was 10 carries, 126. He hasn't had a whole bunch of 100-yard games and, um, you know, maybe a big reason is because, yes, he was a second-leading rusher on the team, but he was sharing carries with a whole bunch of dudes. There were four guys. Felt like at any given time could run the football. They rotated in three running backs, uh, a rushing quarterback, a dual-threat quarterback, and Jordan Travis. Even though Treshawn Ward was carrying the ball 6.6 yards per carry, 6.6 that was 10th best in the country this past year. He was only getting nine carries a game. Dang. Nine carries a game. Can you imagine if a K-State running back was only getting nine carries a game and he's averaging 6.6 yards per carry? It's like Alex Barnes is like, why is he not getting more carries? Yep. He is tearing it up. He's running for over six yards a carry. He needs more. Feed the animal more. That's really just part one of what I like about him, his yards per carry. But his story is pretty interesting. First of all, three-star kid out of high school. He's from uh, Tallahassee, or the Tallahassee area, I believe. So Florida native, but out of high school, he's got scholarship offers from a bunch of ACC schools, a bunch of Big Ten schools. Uh, Oregon had a scholarship offer for him, but he actually walked on. To Florida State because that's his dream school. He passed all those scholarships up because he wanted to be a Seminole. And he was for just about four years. Mm-hmm. But he only played like two really big years of college football. There's His first two years only played like one game. So I'm like a little confused on where his eligibility is at right now because I don't know the circumstances of those two first years he had. But he had a lot of attention out of high school. But he wanted to be a Seminole. So he walks on and he doesn't start playing until about his third year. But that what's that's, it makes it more interesting that he wants to leave his dream school because he wants to be more of a primary back. He's coming to K-State, and K-State has the best sales pitch. First of all, just went to the Sugar Bowl. Deuce Vaughn was just their guy. He ran for over 100 yards against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. He's going to be drafted most likely. K-State's bringing back, which I mentioned before, was 15th in the country in rushing yards per game, one of the best rushing teams in the country. That whole offensive line is coming back. And by the way, we got a pretty big spot open for you. Yeah, you're going to be sharing some carries a little bit with DJ Giddens, but that one-two punch with these guys is very encouraging. Treshawn Ward reminds me of John Hubert, who was a K-State running back, 11-12, and 12, and um, I'm trying to think, was he – I think 12 was his last year. I don't know why I'm blanking on that. But he had three really solid years as a running back for K-State. He should have had probably three 1,000-yard re- uh, rushing seasons, but he only had one. The two previous was like 950. 
So really close, really good running back. It, it, it comes down to the skills that Treshawn Ward has. Where I actually think he's better than Deuce Vaughn is his vision. His hmm. vision is spectacular. And then his patience. His, when I compare him to John Huber, I think of the patience that he has. And B.A., Brian Anderson, the running backs coach for K-State, if you ask him, you know, what's the hardest thing to teach a running back? It's patience. You need to know when a hole is developing on when to go and when to accelerate, maybe when to pull back a little bit, make your cuts, make it at the appropriate time, use your linemen, wait for something to develop if it needs to. Heck, the patient running is, when I think of that 2012 K-State football team and what Colin Klein and John Hubert did, patience is a great way to explain that running game because they knew how to do it in a timely manner to where it was the most effective. His cutting ability is excellent. He's also a hard guy to tackle. If you're tackling a one-on-one, he's going to drag you. Gang tackling is important for this guy. Treshawn Ward is a very blessed running back. Yet, he was held back a little bit because he was not the primary back at Florida State. He was number two on the depth chart. So he was getting number two when it comes to the carries. He had 95 last year in 10 games. So nine and a half carries per game, averaging 6.6 yards per carry, is silly. Yeah, He's going to have much better of an opportunity to do that with Kansas State. And it was a quick recruiting process. Talented. He's got the speed as well. Forgot to mention the speed. Talented running back. I couldn't be more excited for this pickup for K-State. Well done by this staff to be the first one there to say, hey, we have the best opportunity for you here at K-State. Deuce Juan is coming back. This offensive line is coming back. We got a hell of an opportunity for you. And he feels like... And it was quick. It's mm-hmm. the best spot for him to be the primary back. So, again, very excited. Treshawn Ward, after visiting, made a pretty quick decision. He's going to wear purple and become a Wildcat here in Manhattan. I really was surprised myself at the tempo with which that took place. He wasted no time in getting on campus with a visit, even. They got him lined up very quickly and on campus for that visit in short order. And it took little to no time for word to get out that that was who the cats really were targeting. All right, Travion, I suppose we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, number one song of the day. As a matter of fact, I picked it out for Trey. We'll hear that next. Trayvon, you just want to host this? This is your wheelhouse. <laughs> oh, I probably won't have as much information as you do. I mean, it's their fourth number one single out of their first four singles ever. Off their second album in two years. Three albums released in 1970. This was the second one called The Third Album. Okay. This was the first Jackson 5 album I actually ever owned. Well, um, well you're all correct. Everything was correct. Uh, from 1970, I'll be there by the Jackson Five and Five Weeks, and number one, of course, are from Gary, Indiana. You want to tell me all five members? 
Do you want it in age order? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, there's Jackie, who's the oldest. Then there's Jermaine. Oh, no, there's Jackie, Tito, Jermaine, uh, Marlon, Michael. Very good. Yeah. And who managed them? Uh, Joseph Jackson, their father. Okay. Managed, quote-unquote. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Um, Signed to Motown Records, Barry Gordy. So apparently there's like a trio of Jacksons that just uh, tour as the Jacksons? Yes. It's just Marlon, Tito, and Jackie right now because Jermaine left. And Randy hasn't toured with them. The last performance Randy did with the Jacksons in general was in 2001. Okay, have you ever seen them? I saw them in 2012 at the Apollo Theater in New York City. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And how was that? It was it was surreal for me. Yeah, it was really cool. Really good. But is it not... Well, I, I know Michael isn't... You know, he is the primary singer, but he doesn't right. do all the singing. Right. But was it still as amazing even though you it, know of course it's never Michael gonna be as Martino amazing as if, yeah um they were great don't get me wrong but like you know michael was that force of nature that propelled them obviously but they were still really good tito's a great guitar player jermaine's a great bass player and singer as well marlon's a great dancer underrated how old were you when michael jackson passed i was probably like nine nine years old eight or nine years w- old were you a big fan at that age mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what was your reaction um, mm. That day, I still remember, I was at Oceans of Fun, and we got back to the hotel, and we turned on the TV, and that's when we found out, and just watched Michael footage on all the news for the rest of the night. I didn't really, like, know how to process it, because I didn't even know really what dying was then, but, like, it still sucked. <laughs> well, the Jackson 5 was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 97, 16 studio albums, 23 top 40 hits, and like Travion said, they're fourth of four number ones, and it's from their third album called third album and in this song a man tells his former lover that he will always be there for her and that even if she finds someone new she can always go back to him I don't know uh, if you put yourself on hold like that you're a sucker (laughs) what are you doing man move on find somebody else she doesn't want you you don't want to be the fallback guy. Well, he was like 11. You could make well, that yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, when Michael Jackson recorded this song, he was 11 at the time, which is very interesting lyrics for an 11-year-old, but shout out to Jackson 5 in Motown. and Barry yep. Gordy actually wrote this song with Hal Davis and a couple other guys. I can't remember their names. but So did you know, Travion, this was the most successful release by the Jackson 5? I did not know that, but it does not surprise me. Because I'll Be There sold 4.2 million copies in the United States and 6.1 million copies worldwide. It replaced Marvin Gaye's I Heard It Through the Grapevine as the most successful single released on Motown in the U.S. until Lionel Richie did a duet with Diana Ross called Endless Love. Yes, giant. Outside the U.S., I Heard It Through the Grapevine remains Motown's biggest selling record. Now, there's also another person that went number one with this song. Ding, 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 ding. This is what you wanted to bring up. Mariah Carey. Yes. In 1992. Which, how about that? You know, Michael Jackson. Well, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting mixed up with the Beatles for some reason. But Michael Jackson, along with the Jackson 5, had... 
you have 13 number ones? Michael Solo has 13. Th- okay, so 17 total. Plus the four would make it 17. There you go. Last minute close. addition to her MTV Unplugged set list. Yep. Wow. And she got to number one. That yeah. was her sixth yeah. number one. I remember the release. I don't think I've actually heard it. Really? I have to listen to it during the break. It's all right. It, it, yeah. It, it, but boy, it was hot at the time. Was it played at those ba- crazy band parties you used to have? Uh, no, I was thinking more along the lines when we were spinning CDs at that other place in town. Okay. Because 92, what year would that have been for you? That's my junior year. Junior year. What was a popular band back then? You remember hearing a lot. <laughs> that would have been when Nirvana was hot. Was that, Nirvana, was Nirvana yeah, one? Nirvana was hot at the time, absolutely. Um, Chili Peppers? Not so much. Not really? No, no. They, they, their, their real hot streak came more... 93 94 where they began to kind of hit the top 40 right. more so than what they had um bon jovi <sighs> okay yeah you've got to remember that that was right in their wheelhouse but what about like because i know r&b was really taking off yes at that time because you know, like boys to men it, it, and like, and it yeah boys to men um I'll make love to you. Oh, who am I thinking of? Um, Want to sex you up? Uh, color me bad. There you go. Yeah, Very good. yeah. That was hot that year, or you know, in that time frame. Um, but uh, so much of it was New Jack Swing. Do you recall a song like if you were to go out to Aggieville or if you went to a party, like you always heard that song? Like, is there one song you can think of from your college years that just is more nostalgic than anything? I'll admit to having burned out on Teen Spirit from Nirvana. Really? Because it's played because it was played so much then and it's still played so much now. I have my answer. Let's see if Travion remembers this song. You remember this song called Like a G6 by Far East Movement? Yes. Oh my god, it's not a great song, but it was always played when we would go out. Always. It's like Jesus. I think they still play it at Tubby's. Do they? Yeah. God, I haven't been to Tubby's in years. <laughs> ever since Welcome D- to getting older. Ever since DG, <laughs> ever since DG stopped bartending, I couldn't find uh, somebody to overpour for me. Yeah, there you go. No, he never did that. <laughs> All right, uh, Travion, I suppose if you're ready, um, you can get us out when we need to get out. You can go ahead with some some cues. Hopefully, we'll have some A's. I asked a couple questions to Troy yesterday that I'll ask you today. What was your favorite class in college? Uh, shout out to Chad Ashbaugh, who became the head coach of uh, men's basketball at Cloud County. Uh, we had a history class that kind of covered the wars uh, with Revolutionary, 1812, Civil War, war like those kind of wars, big ones. Uh, that was actually very fascinating. I also had a class that covered... It was only U.S. history in the 60s. That mm-hmm. was extremely fascinating. So I, I'd have to say the history uh, history uh, classes. I also took a couple of English classes. Did you take... Man, you want to talk about some teachers with egos. Man. <laughs> Did you take that history class with Kevin Pounds? Yes. That's who I, I took that class too. I took he it actually, last year. He just retired. He just retired. That's right. He just retired. Shout out to Kevin Pounds. 
I just noted yesterday it was baseball in the history of America summer school course here at K State. Okay, that was tremendous and gave me the first opportunity to hear Buck O'Neill regale us with stories at what was at the time an office for the Negro Leagues Museum. I'd imagine Trey's is the history of rock and roll class, right? Isn't that right? Is that the class? all right. I feel like. Oh. You could have taught the class. I, I could have taught the class. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like to hear. Okay. Maybe you could lead us into some rock and roll like trivia someday. That should like be a show. segments or something? Yeah, there should be a show. Like, yeah, I don't know about a whole show, but yeah, like a segment down the road. Because for those that don't know, uh, if you haven't heard, it, has Big Steve announced what he's doing? No, I haven't heard has it. Has he said anything? No, he hasn't. Anyway, well, apparently he's not going to host us in uh, Do They Know It Anymore. But So I'll have to figure something out. But uh, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Do you have another question? Uh, has your music cha- has your music taste changed within the last 10 years? For sure. Interview? For sure. Absolutely. I, I've broadened my horizons. I used to be a big snob, gigantics, and I still am for music after 2005. It just got way crappier, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest, uh, in my opinion. But uh, I, I guess where I've branched out is... Like the 70s and 80s, stretching out to Motown, stretching mm-hmm. out 80s pop. I've actually, I, I kind of enjoyed some of that 80s pop. Uh, a lot of those one-hit wonders. I, I mean, I would argue 80s was the best decade for music. Um, but also just different genres, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, that I didn't normally listen to. And I've always been such a junkie uh, for music uh, as it is, so... If there's anything, it would be the the newer pop I don't have a good handle on and really haven't probably for about the last decade and a half. I, I would like to do something like a segment of like like me, newer music with you guys. I think that would be fun just to kind of see what you guys think of things, how are, they're going in the pop landscape right now. We're not going to like it, Travi. I don't give you the answer right <laughs> now. It still it's would like be fun. Register. It would be fun, though. Once in a while, a song will hit. Yes. Cold Heart, the uh, it was a Dua Lipa in Elton John. Mm-hmm. No, that's uh, Britney Spears and. No. Oh, there's that you're thinking of. Hold oh, me closer. That's sorry. the new single. You're right. Yep, my bad. I didn't think that one was too bad. Um, you know, I can. I'm okay with a little bit of Post Malone or Kendrick Lamar. You know, humble. I, I always hear that Good at time. games, and I'm you know, yeah, I, I like it. I don't, I don't dislike it. Uh, but. Uh, if you were to play any modern country, I would probably fire you on the spot. Well, and uh, <laughs> thing that I don't know much of it. Um, let's see what what else. I was going to bring something else up. I I can't remember. You want to squeeze? <sighs> what was like your favorite thing in high school that you probably don't listen to now? Well, I did have a little bit of a rap phase, which so I bought us ticket. Not you, Trey, but you're going to buy your own ticket. But uh, bought us tickets to see Janet Jackson and Luda. Yeah. Update yeah. on that. I am in the process of getting that meet and greet ticket, so I'm going to meet her. But Luda is opening like 2007. Mitch would be all over that. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still excited to see that. Also seeing Afro Man <laughs> in concert. Oh. I remember listening to some of his work, like when I was in junior high, and thinking this is just the funniest, coolest thing I've ever heard. And I, then I saw it in person. I was like, man, this guy was like an hour and a half late. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's probably a song. Of, oh, wait, it's an Afro Man song about that, isn't there? Because I got high. 
I was going to get up and put on a show, but then I, I got, got high. high. Uh, he made it. He just made a music video about uh, police raiding his house. Like, yes. Why? It was actual footage from the police raid. All right, we're back with you tomorrow for Trey. Troy, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.